0: I've never had to be more flexible than I have been in the last seven months and yeah, too and just the grace we have to give ourselves just to have to get through it. And sometimes it's thriving and sometimes it's just managing.
1: I'm Kristen Kelly and this is mom school. Every day, it's just getting through it. And you have two boys, right?
0: Boys, Teo is seven. He's in second grade, which sounds crazy to me every time I say it. And Luca is four. He's a little wild child.
1: They are adorable. I was looking at photos of them on Instagram. They're the cutest little kids. And are they doing homeschool right now?
0: Yes, my older son is doing distance learning with his school. And then my littler one, he's not back in preschool. It just doesn't make sense for our family drive him over there. And we need a nanny anyway, because we both work full time times a hundred because my husband and I are both running our own businesses. So for the first four months, it was just us and we were not thriving as a family. I
1: don't think Um,
0: anybody was. (laughs) No. And we really, really needed to bring our nanny Delia back. She makes us able to work. So we can't do preschool and our nanny who's here too. So so grateful for her because otherwise my kids weren't getting what they needed. My husband and I weren't given enough time for each other to even get our work. It was like, whose work is more important? It was just the most absurd time on top of all of the other stresses. And neither of us can work nights because we both have to work when our teams are working. So, you know, nine to nine Oh, 9.17 9.17 to 9.27, and then 10.03 to 10.04, and then not again until two. And it's like Such a mess. everyone in the house crying. Kevin didn't cry
1: so much, but I do enough for both of us. Selfishly, I'm glad to know that you were going through it too. I was reading a little bit about your just entrepreneur journey and it's kind of unbelievable. Is it true that right out of college, you were just like, I think I'm going to start a clothing line. Yes tell me about this because that takes some
0: guts. Even weirder than that, I started because, well, to back up, I always knew I wanted to work for myself. I feel like that was my calling, doing something of my own. My parents had their own business. So I was raised with this, watching my parents put everything, all of their energy, all of their love into this business and how they worked as a team to create the life that they wanted to have. And so for my brother and myself to grow up with parents who owned their own business. I mean, obviously they worked a lot and they were- And they're really creatives hard. too, right? Yes, but their business was Gymboree Child Play Program. They owned the LA franchises. But just to watch people work really hard at something they believe in and yeah. to see the flexibility that that allowed for our family, being able to have a parent home if a kid was sick, being able to like take an impromptu day off and go to the museum or be able That's to- how it should, should be for everybody, home. right? It's but it's not- And so for me, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Fashion was definitely not at the top of my list when I... That's so funny. But definitely having an independent career was the goal. And in college, I studied dance and I went to Berkeley and I had to work a certain amount of hours in the costume shop. And I loved making these costumes. And I'm not perfectionist, like at all. I could not survive this time. Of life right now, if everything yeah. perfect, perfectionists not, right now are not thriving. <laughs> thank goodness, I'm like loose about that, but also it's what allowed me to try something I didn't have experience in and see what happened and to find the joy in making clothes. I wasn't trained in it, I didn't have any pressure or any background about it. All I knew was I had these dancers and I wanted them to look like water. And so, thinking about how I would make costumes has really translated into how I make clothing, thinking about the body and the movement and comfort. So when I started, I had nothing to lose. And so I fell in love with this class. I had to get a certain amount of credits and got a sewing machine and would walk down the street in college to the dollar yard rack. I think some of that has to do with being 22, still in college. I was able to move home after college to Los Angeles, which is an exciting city full of fashion. And business and innovation and so I didn't have the pressure around a career because if it didn't work out I would have tried something else. It was definitely an untraditional start. I was making clothes for myself and I walked into a store in LA in Chinatown that is long out of business and she said, I really like your dress and I said, oh thank you, I made it. Do you have anything else?" I said, yes actually I just broke down from college and I have my laundry in the car. Let me just bring in my bag of laundry and I literally brought in my laundry which I don't recommend for listeners who are trying to start like a legitimate business. I love it. Why don't you make me some stuff and I'll sell it. And I did. And she did. And then it was towards the end of my senior year. And she said, why don't you give this a go? People really like it. Also, at the time, there was an opportunity in fashion to make clothing that was more handmade looking or deconstructed. It was like part of the style. You could go to Barney's and there were like cut up vintage t-shirts with scarves attached to them and they were $300 and people were lining up. So it's not like what people wear now. I could not have hand-sewn fabric flowers onto an oversized gown now and have it work in the same way that it worked then. But Well, the stars aligned then. They did. And it was an exciting and kind of ballsy
1: move for me at 22. And I'm glad I took the chance. <laughs> so are many other women. Who wore one of your pieces to an award show and then everything blew it was up? Jessica Simpson. Jessica Very Simpson. Okay, I am a big, big Jessica Simpson fan. Always have been. Always will be. Lover to death. So that makes me happy. What did she wear? It was the MTV Awards. I mean, now I don't even remember because this was five hundred years ago. <laughs> but She wore this outfit
0: and. She wore a lot of styles for me. And it was like in a period of time where all eyes were on Jessica. It was also pre-Britney Spears breakdown and there were all eyes on Britney, and Britney was wearing it all the time. There was just a moment for that. So it's funny, like Jessica Simpson wore these pants and it completely changed my life. My business took off. I bought a house. I was so young and it was just like, she completely changed my life. And we had this wonderful working relationship for a long time. Did she just wear it out of nowhere? No, her stylist was pulling from me. And in LA, it was- I don't really know how that works, I guess. It works very differently now. At the time, people would have, well, I guess some brands still have a showroom where, where stylists can come and pull or stylists work with brands directly to have custom things made. So I remember just sending boxes and boxes of clothes to Jessica Simpson's stylist, who did a few other celebrities at the time, Nicole Chavez. And I don't even remember who else I was working with at the time now, but just being able to take the risk to send a box and see what happens and then to have Bloomingdale's call and say, tell me about this outfit was totally staggering. But it was also a different time now with social media. You just wear something and it's available instantly for everybody's eyes. But then it was once a week, Us Weekly or People's Style Watch or you know, I forget the other ones at this point, but that's where you would go for style information. And it was all about celebrities. And now you can be like a style celebrity just by having an iPhone. So it was a totally different time and having to build these relationships with magazine editors. And at the time it was really like, if a celeb wears it, it becomes a hit. Whereas now it's a lot more democratic about how people can find style and
1: I read something like Kate Middleton wore some brand's jacket or something. And the poor company went under because they were a small little mom and pop boutique thing. And they were like, there's no possible way we can fulfill all these orders. It's crazy how someone's influence can change not only a business. And for
0: manufacturers, your expenses
1: ahead of recouping are so unbelievably
0: high. So for a small company like that, if maybe they're used to selling 60 jackets and they get orders for 6,000 jackets, where are they going to find the money to even buy the fabric? For 6,000 jackets. because this is is what
1: we don't think about. This is what women like you, you know the whole ins and outs. I mean, it's complicated. And then also like with the pandemic,
0: there's all these manufacturers like myself who had made merchandise for stores and then were ready to ship it and stores were closed. And stores were closed for a really long time. So what happens to all that merchandise that has been paid for six months in advance? Because orders are placed on such a long lead time. So- it's been a really interesting time to have to be scrappy and creative and reinvent and see what wasn't working and see how you want to make changes that could
1: make it work. So I'm feeling sensitive for that jacket company. I know. I know. It's wild. For business owners, entrepreneurs during the pandemic, we don't know when it's going to end. What is your advice? Because you're going through it as the owner of your company. What is your advice to entrepreneurs dealing with the chaos that is 2020?
0: I think keep it as slim and trim as you possibly can because we don't know when. Cut all expenses that you possibly can so you can hunker down. And I think the most important thing is making sure that you have an online presence because if I had not had a website to move those goods, I would be sitting on hundreds of thousands of dollars of goods that are just sitting there because stores didn't, and I'd already paid for them. So I'm so grateful to have had an outlet to sell it off for a couple of months, we had a 20% off on our website just because we were overloaded with merchandise that we're not used to moving that much merchandise. So trying to be as creative as possible. But also I think for entrepreneurs, this is a really important time to evaluate what was and wasn't working before, because I feel like it's important to remember that you can have a much smaller business that can be significantly more profitable than a bigger business. So thinking about especially in the fashion industry, which that's good waste thinking about how to tighten up and actually make your business stronger. Even if that means letting go of some pieces that maybe pump up some numbers. So I do feel like the direct to consumer business is where it's at. I think that you get so much control over the narrative about your brand and how it's perceived. You get to use your voice because it's yours. I happen to be very outspoken on my own platforms. For me, this is me. It's my name. I get someone who says, you're allowed to what you know. Well, what I know is Rachel Pally because that's me. So I can say whatever I want. And I find that whereas a few years ago, it might've felt scary, like business would be negatively affected by being bold and being outspoken. Now I feel like actually there's a lot of shoppers out there who are just like me, who really want to put their money where their beliefs are. And I do find that actually, it's not a scary thing. It's a really important thing. And so, you know, I think taking chances as a brand is really scary and it's also totally empowering and totally exciting. So it's time for business to kind of reclaim your own power because
1: it's a new era and nobody knows what's going on. It is so true. This is like the wild, wild west. Nobody's been here before, but... I love that your answer is like, keep it slim and trim and be outspoken and bold instead of like, just be positive and breathe through it, right? Like you are a businesswoman strong woman through and through. I love that answer. Be strong is not a real answer. (laughs) It's not a real answer. Smile and live, laugh, love, and you'll be good. So somewhere between your line blowing up very quickly and now you welcome two little humans into the world. I did. You did. And to welcoming of humans came some major ups and
0: downs of business as I shifted my interests and my priorities and I'm paying for that, but I'm also learning a lot from that and finding the harmony in all of that because balance is ridiculously impossible. So like, don't say that. It's like insulting to tell moms about balance. You're just not going to have it. Sometimes you're going to be good at some of it. And sometimes you're going to be good at other parts of it. And sometimes you're going to be terrible at all of it. So try to find the harmony where you can accept that this is an impossible situation. Add the pandemic in. It was already impossible. Last year was impossible to have two kids and run a business and keep our house from falling apart and be a
1: partner to my husband. It was already impossible. And this is like next level. Like, <laughs> you thought that was hard. Uh-huh. Look what I got for you. So, your boys are seven and four. Yeah. You're like in the thick of it with two little boys.
0: My God. At the beginning, when we were doing like, I was having a Zoom meeting or an interview or something, and my four year old got a black eye, like in the middle of my interview, fell off of the table. Okay. He was running through the house. Black eye, smashed face. <laughs> While I'm on, like, And it was just, can you guys hold on? You know, this is my everyday. Is. Let me bubble wrap my kid and I'll be right back to finish this interview.
1: Yeah. I feel like all moms, all working moms right now, we get each other. It's the same story in a different house. It's hard. It's really hard. When you had your boys, what was your postpartum period like with them? Well, I did go a little bit
0: on cruise control, my business. It wasn't my most focused period of business. I definitely wasn't doing my best work. But I'm from Los Angeles. My parents are here. My husband is from Los Angeles. His parents are here. When Teo, my older son, was born, well, for both, my sister-in-law and her family were here and I had all the love and support in the world. I had my babies at home. My midwife came to check on me all the time. I was surrounded by love and support in a way that was like actually helpful and supportive. So I do feel like being the owner of my business, I brought my baby. Well, when I first had Teo, my office was around the corner. So I had a a friend who wasn't working at the time and she would watch him and I would come to work for a few hours and come home to nurse and go back to work. But it was a two second drive. And that was kind of an amazing little bandaid to pull off because I was away, but I really wasn't away. I could be home in less than two minutes. But when Luca was born, We weren't living there anymore and my office was in a different location. It felt a little harder, but I did bring him with me to work and we had a nanny because he was my second kid and we were already kind of in a routine that felt supportive. And I also really believe in asking for help. My job is really, really demanding. And in order for me to be a good mother and be a good businesswoman, I really need help
1: and trying to... I love that. I love that you say it like that. I did an episode with... Liz Vaccarello, who is the editor in chief of Parents, or she was the editor in chief of Parents Magazine, and now she's at Real Simple. And she says exactly how you said it no guilt, no shame, no sugarcoating. I had a full time nanny. I had a night nurse. I have my family. My husband would bring me dinner and take it away. It's like a lot of women are just not as willing to say, I have a ton of help. I have a ton of support. I mean, I have a nanny, and if I didn't, I would lose my damn mind. But I think yeah. it's so good to just be honest that you don't do it all because that's impossible. It's okay yeah. to get help. Actually, it's
0: necessary to get help if you're a career person
1: because yeah. you really the things have to happen at the same time. And also
0: your children suffer too. So I did have guilt. It was like middle of March and we were like, we don't know what to do. Stay home, like work we paid her while she was not here. In yeah, our- yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I started to feel like we couldn't take anymore without help and all we were doing was inefficiently parenting and inefficiently working and we were all suffering, it took a long time for me to feel like, is it okay for us to have her back in here? We trust her, we've been with her for four years. We know that she's COVID-cautious, works are COVID-cautious. And I had guilt about knowing that all my friends were really struggling being home and trying to work with their kids, but you know, I don't have a part-time flexible position. I have a double full-time career. And so does my husband, he works even more than I do. And between the two of us, it just wasn't worth it. And I don't know why we give ourselves such a hard time about it. Like for me, I would rather not save that money because I was gonna lose my mind. And- At what cost? Having a little space makes you a better mother. Before the pandemic, I was going- every week to a ceramics class to work in the ceramic studio with my mom. And oh, I that's was great friends at least every other week, if not once a week to do something that was just for me. And without that, I feel like, I mentioned it to my husband the other night, that I feel like I have to look to my family for everything. And that's not right for me. And I feel like that puts too much pressure on my husband and on my children. Before this, I had so many other inputs that made me feel whole, which then in turn helped me to be a better partner and helped me to be a better mother. And without that, a whole lot goes into this one little unit. And that's a lot of pressure for a family unit to be like together every second and to give each other everything and to be our kids' playmates too. It's hard
1: like this. I love that. It's like, no, because we have this narrative and like, I constantly am quoting Glennon Doyle, because I'm just kind of in love with her. Me but, too. <laughs> she's just shit. We have this idea that like, as moms, we have to do it all, have it all, be it all, see it all, or we're failing. And like you say, with your family, if you're not with them 24 seven, if you're not each other's everything, then you're not doing it right. And that's not the truth. I mean, that narrative is just so whacked out on so many levels. And wow. I love that you do this ceramics class and like, Just to have friendships, to have a date night, to do these things that are not motherhood, the martyrdom motherhood, it like feeds your soul. It's just what we need is, that's like what this podcast, I want women to hear and listen to. And I get so many messages like, okay, but you don't feel guilty going on girls night once a month. I'm like, no, I used to, but I've talked myself out of that bullshit mentality. It was a good friend of mine's birthday and eight of us got together
0: together in a backyard and we kept our distance and everyone had their own food. And we had like this wonderful celebration. We've had a few birthdays over the summer where we've done the same thing where it's different with adults. You can keep your distance. It's not the same thing as trying to keep your kids apart. Um, I got home and my husband was like, you've been there for like eight hours. And I said, I know. He's like, what did you do? And I said, we talked," And he's like, and no, no, that's it. (laughs) We talked as a group of women. We talked, we cried, we laughed, we talked some more, we shifted position to talk to other people, but like really for eight hours, we just talked because it is missing. Those relationships have been so important. And especially like for mothers, I couldn't do it. I don't want to do it without my community. And so to feel so isolated from my community is really, puts a lot of extra pressure on my family unit.
1: Your husband he works full-time, you work full-time. How do you guys divvy up the responsibilities in the household? Not like specific chores, but you know what I mean? Like, well, he's super involved. I don't
0: think that my husband would agree, but I feel like a lot of the emotional labor falls on me, even though I don't think it's less that he doesn't think so and more that he doesn't even know about it. But he is a very hands-on dad. We actually share a warehouse. He has a brand called Free Agency. And he has a creative agency that works with music business, which is why he works double time. He's got like this huge brand. And then also oh, he's a clients. But well, now we're all working from home. And before that, we would drive to our warehouse together. We share a warehouse space. So we would have a little bit of time. But you know, when it gets home, we, we both cook. We both clean. We both tuck in. I definitely am the one in charge of having to detangle my four-year-old's hair. I only do it once a week. I could literally just stick a hairbrush in it and it would get me stuck. It's so (laughs) intense. I don't think he's ever done that. But other than that, I feel like we really just, he knows I'm working hard. I know he's working hard and we just try to help each other out as much as possible. And when one of us needs to tap out, we try to hop in. But I definitely relied more on his solo nights with the kids before. I mean, I'm more inclined just personality-wise to make plans out of the house. So without that, I mean, there was definitely a time where I was going out more and he was handling the night times with the kids a few nights a week more than the reverse. But
1: now we're home yeah. all the time. What is something that surprised you about motherhood that wasn't how you expected it to be?
0: Oh my God, all of it. I it. <laughs> And maybe it was because I was so into birth planning that all I could think about was the pregnancy and how fascinating it was. And even being sick, I was like, this is so crazy and awesome. And being so excited about giving birth and then being like, wait, why didn't anybody tell me about this baby part? Like, I didn't, I don't know that I was like
1: signing up for the baby as much. And then here he was. Um, yeah, I, I relate to that so much. I would read the pregnancy books and I'm like, why did I spend hours on end reading this? My body's just going to do it. I shouldn't read the, what do I do now that it's freaking here? Yes. Right? Um,
0: reading. I have a seven-year-old and I'm reading my first parenting book right now. What book are you reading? Uh, I'm reading how to raise a spirited child. Oh, I like that title. I really needed that book. Yeah. I thought I was reading it, mostly, but actually I'm reading it for all four people that live in my house, including <laughs> myself and my husband, all spirited. And it's been to get excited about, I wish that I had been able to carve out more time to be educating myself instead of just like flying by the seat of my pants all these years. But that's kind of how I run a business too. So I guess that's just in my nature. I'm definitely not like a preparer,
1: a try, fail, try it a different way kind of person. It works. What do we have to look forward to with Rachel Pally collection?
0: Well, I feel like in the pre-COVID days, I had been working with this really set delivery schedule that the fashion industry is in, which was you start shipping spring in January. Mm -hmm. It's freezing. So I don't know why. In April, you start shipping summer. By the way, it's rainy. It's Mm -hmm. not summer. In June and July, you start shipping fall. It's 100 degrees. It's so bizarre. It is so outdated and it is so bizarre. And also global warming, come on people, let's jump on board. So that was meaning that everything, by the time it was available to purchase, when it was purchasable for full price, you weren't able to wear it. So you just wait until it goes on sale because you can't wear it for three months because it's 100 degrees and it's a turtleneck sweater. So it's been really exciting to be in this position where I get to shift my planning because I don't want to do that. And the more I look around, the more I see that other independent brands are doing the same thing
1: because- Shipping the blessings of COVID. Who knew?
0: Definitely like a lining here, a good silver lining about, you know, we can all strategize about how to be more mindful about waste and about running a business that's tight and that makes sense, but also making sure that we're giving our customers what they want when they want it. And following someone else's schedule to give my shoppers things they want when they don't want it doesn't make sense for me. Mara Hoffman, who I've known for many, many years, just posted something about it in her Instagram about how this has been an opportunity for her to really have to pivot. And I was reading it and thinking, yes, yes, thank you. Because it really is an opportunity for us to just say, you know, that doesn't really make sense anymore. And this is my brand and I'm going to try to make it make more sense. So the good news for a brand like mine is that I already design clothes to live in. I'm not making clothes that are fancy. I'm not making clothes that are uncomfortable because like, I'm not wearing that. I barely ever want to wear a pair of hard pants ever again. I'm like, this is elastic pants. It has changed my world. Yeah. Um, And just thinking about how much harder this would be for me to pivot if I made high heels and people aren't buying high heels, but I don't, I make linen and sweater knits and jersey, cozy turtlenecks and dresses. And there's a way for what I make to make sense for this time also. So, you know, I had things yes. planned for holiday this year. I had a whole collection planned where we were doing corduroy and velvet and things that were just maybe not right for 2020. So yes. being able to say, okay, really love that sheer animal print, but I don't really picture people having to buy that right. this year. So right. just being able to say, What am I going to want to be wearing in October, November, December? What kind of cozy, flexible things? What can I wear that I can throw on a pair of sneakers and take a walk with my kids, but also maybe put on my mask and go and have brunch with a girlfriend? So I feel like what I'm making now is clothes for now and clothes for now are kind of clothes for always. Who wants to go from being comfortable and cozy to being uncomfortable and wear space? Yes,
1: not me. No, not, I feel like I'm going to go on a shopping spree when this is over and be late to go home. To be like, it really ran over. We were just jiving and talking. And my husband would be like, what the hell is this credit card ding that just showed up on the phone? Last question. I know that you are outspoken on social media, which I love. And you have your beliefs and your values and you own them and your brand is you so you can share them. What are some principles that you live by in raising two little boys right now in just this weird time? What do you hope to instill in them most.
0: I feel like my example for that is that on Saturday morning, my kids came in when they woke up and we said, president Trump, he tested positive for coronavirus." And it's kind of like, how do you even process that? And my little one said being like the world's biggest empath said, Oh, well, even though we don't like him very much, we're going to still send him best wishes. Like we still want him to get better. The fact that I was seething with anger about the exposure to other people and this irresponsibility, and that his first thought was, like, he's a person and it's terrible to be sick. And I love I, that. I so thank you for the reminder. You are correct. <laughs> I do want to be a person who's more like you. And I appreciate just the fact that that was his first thought.
1: I love that. You're such a good mommy. Thank you. I learned from my mistakes. That Still. makes a good businesswoman, Rachel. Thank you so much. This was so fun. I really appreciate you coming on here. I know it's crazy, so to get away from all your dudes and come chat with me was I appreciate it. So it totally my cup. I'm like I had a girlfriend chat. This is great. I'm ready for that's my- exactly how I feel. So, where can people find you? Where can people go on shopping sprees on social media and website? All that.
0: My website is rachelpally.com. P A L L Y and my Instagram is at Rachel Pally and it's me. So you can send me a
1: message and I'm the one to answer it. Okay. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.